collect for Bible Sunday. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, help us so to hear them, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that, through patience and the comfort of your holy word, we embrace and forever hold fast the hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Saviour Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We sit for our first reading. The first reading is taken from the second book of Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 to 17, and can be found on page 210 in the New Testament section of the Bible. Paul's charge to Timothy. Now you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my suffering, the things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the Gospel. The Gospel reading is from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21, and can be found on page 59. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place, where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to, to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, grant that thus this morning we may hear your voice and respond in faith, love and obedience. Amen. It's Bible Sunday. A day of celebration of the Bible and a time for encouraging us to read it and to take it into our lives. Is Bible Sunday a newfangled institution? No. Its origin can be traced to the 1549 Book of Common Prayer. The original contained a lectionary with study verses and prayers for each Sunday. The aim was to encourage people to greater commitment to Bible study and fellowship with God. The text of the second Sunday of Advent was Romans 15.4. I quote, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. The date, text and subsequent prayer thanking God for the Bible to teach and guide us became set. Since then, the date of Bible Sunday has become flexible. Why bother with the Bible? Simply because it's God's Word. From the beginning, God spoke. He is a relational being. He loves people deeply and wants to be with us now and forever. Speaking is fundamental to any relationship. Those he spoke to recorded what he said. Through the Bible and the Holy Spirit, God continues to speak today. Through Isaiah, God said that his word would accomplish his purposes and not return to him void. It's through his word that he acts in our lives. As we've heard, the writer of Hebrews says it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to penetrate to the deepest recesses of our hearts and minds to judge our thoughts and intentions. In his description of the armour of God, in which we are to face a hostile world. Paul says, God's word is the spirit's sword. It's the only weapon he mentions. The rest is our PPE. In concert with the writer of Hebrews, Paul can say, as we read in 2 Timothy, that God's word in the scriptures is useful for teaching, Reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Note that this covers both the positive, teaching and training, and the negative, reproof and correction, and also for communicating doctrine and forming and challenging behaviour. Scriptures are for all God's people that we might reflect God 
in all that we do and say. And that's his purpose for us. It's worth noting here that Paul and the other New Testament writers, when they refer to God's word, the scriptures, they're referring to the Old Testament or Hebrew Bible. They took it for granted that the entire Old Testament is inspired by God. The Greek word Paul used, theopnoistos, translated as inspired, means God breathed. The Hebrew for breath and spirit is ruach. As Peter wrote, men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. The scriptures originated in God's mind and were communicated through his breath or spirit. Paul tells Timothy that these writings are holy because they are of God and can instruct people for salvation through Jesus Christ. How can Paul do that? In the synagogue in Nazareth, as we read in Luke, Jesus said he was the long-awaited Messiah, the fulfilment of Scripture. That's what the prophecy of Isaiah 61 is all about. Again, Jesus tells his opponents that the scriptures testify to him. Paul takes it for granted that the Old Testament is fulfilled in Christ's coming as Saviour, dying to bear our sin, risen, ascended, sending the Holy Spirit freeing us from guilt and mortality. Besides saying that he is the Messiah, the fulfilment of the Old Testament, Jesus said that heaven and earth would pass away, but his words would not. They and the outworkings of his teaching were recorded by the apostles or those close to them by 120 AD. They are the 27 books we have now that were accepted by the early church. The New Testament too is God-breathed. What does it mean for us? It means everything. The creator and lord of the universe is a relational being. He is love. He loves us and wants to be with us now and forever. That's mind-blowing. The Bible reveals God's character through his dealings with people. His character is mercy and grace. That's unmerited favour. It's also holiness, justice and ultimate power. God, the ultimate power, is on our side. He came among us in Jesus Christ as our Saviour. I say again, dying to bear our sin, risen, ascended, sending the Holy Spirit, freeing us from guilt and mortality. He was in Christ 
reconciling the world to himself, opening up the relationship so that we might worship him and bring our needs in good and bad times for him to answer. Above all, he gives us eternal life with him, sharing his reign and glory. That's what we have. That's our hope. After Nehemiah had read the law to the people when Jerusalem's wall was rebuilt, it was recorded that there was great rejoicing because they understood the words that had been declared to them. If we too have understood afresh our God's character, let's rejoice. Our Bible encourages us to remain steadfast. Merely reading it isn't good enough. Faith in Christ is needed. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Unless we have God's word, the Bible, evaluating our lives and providing positive alternatives, we all think like our surrounding culture. As individual Christians, we'll sometimes find that rather than clinging tenaciously to accurate, biblically-based teaching about God and our faith, we'll be driven by our own desires. We want to hear only those things which suit us and make us feel good. We may say that the gods of the Old and New Testaments are not the same God. We have a God of love who forgives people and doesn't punish them. There really isn't any need to evangelise and share the gospel. Isn't intolerant to believe that Christianity is absolute truth. There really aren't any moral absolutes. Any view is as valid as any other. What really matters is how I feel as an individual. We can pick and mix what we believe. If I don't like something in the Bible, I can ignore it. That's the Marcionite heresy. Being a secondary modern boy and not doing Latin, I don't know whether that C in Marcionite's name should be hard or soft. I do know that he was wrong. He believed the Old and New Testament gods were different. So he rejected the Old Testament as well as a significant part of the New for being too Jewish. The God of the Old and New Testaments is the same God. We must hold intention God's holiness, justice, love, mercy and grace that the Bible tells us about can feel easier to believe that God doesn't judge. But to reject the concept of retributive justice is theologically unhealthy. A God who isn't a judge, who punishes sin, can't really offer grace and forgiveness. 
where you've become theologically unhealthy, like children binging sweets. We've allowed the world to squeeze us into its mould. We're seduced by our culture with its lack of moral absolutes, relativism, reliance on emotionalism and tolerance of everything except what's deemed intolerant. People make wrong choices that corrupt and remove them from God's purposes. God in his love sent Jesus to provide the way back to him. We have the great commission to go out and make disciples of all nations. If what we believe about God stops us from carrying it out, we take ourselves out of God's purposes, we'll be pruned out. Perhaps we need to repent. Perhaps of his great grace, he will restore us. Paul's message to Timothy is for us who live in a pluralist and permissive society. Know what your Bible says. Remember it's God's breathe, God breathed. So trust it, think about it, apply it. Live it in word and action. Get help to read it daily and understand it from the excellent Bible resources that are available. If you prefer printed paper, talk to my wife, Leslie. In addressing more complex issues like sexuality and end of life, thinking about it may mean re reading wider of reputable experts and biblical scholars. Some Christians are swept away by the flood of sin and error. Others hide, keeping their heads down to survive as an alternative to surrendering. Neither is the Christian way. Paul says, stand firm, as he did to Timothy in our first reading. Never mind the pressure to conform your weakness or timidity, or if you find yourself a lone witness. You know the Bible is God-breathed and profitable. It will equip you and make you complete. So be it. Let's pray. Faithful and steadfast God, Nourish your people in this wicked world and through prayer and the scriptures give us our daily bread through Jesus Christ our Lord that we may remain steadfast in faith, hope and obedience. Amen.